Hello, welcome to D's Beer Lab. And I'm Dave, and I'm here with my brother Patrick. Back in the lab again. <laughs> oh yeah, feels good. Yeah, so we're here, and uh, we are going to do the beer review a little differently this time. Uh, we actually have two 12-ounce beers. We usually have like a big old bomber or something like that, but we're going to be doing uh, some 12-ounce beers. So we're going to probably do review one beer, drink it, talk for a bit, and then review the second one. So here we go. We're going to start off with the first beer. It is called Sustained Thought by Enlightened Brewing. It is a 6% stout. Coffee stout. Yeah, coffee stout. It is brewed in Milwaukee. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and read the description. No problem can withstand the assault of sustained thinking. Voltaire, French philosopher and avid coffee drinker. So no matter the problem you and your pal are facing, it can't be cured without a pint of this brew. Order up another round and get to solving. Brewed with cold brew coffee from Valentine Coffee Roasters, oats, midnight wheat, and British hops. 6% ABV, winter seasonal, stout, British hops, Valentine Coffee Roasters. And then the description goes a little more. So Sustained Thought is a 6% ABV stout made with cold brew coffee from Valentine Coffee Roasters here in Milwaukee. We love our coffee, and Milwaukee is flush with amazing roasters practicing their craft. We took a tour around Valentine's space on Vlight and immediately wanted to make a coffee stout using their cold brew. We did some test batches to share with friends and this is the final result. Made with oats, chocolate, malt, and midnight wheat, plus some British hops. Toasty flavors, tango with the vanilla of Valentine's roast for a creamy, not too strong coffee stout. Quite the description. Very long, very long description. <laughs> so let's get drinking. Yeah, we'll get this poured. We'll be right back. Cheers. All right, cheers. Right off the bat, I get like tons of coffee. There's a lot of coffee. Oh, yeah. Just smelling is awesome. It has a pretty good, pretty good head to it. Mmm. Ooh. That's a pretty good stout coffee stout yeah i think so and it does taste like a pretty good coffee stout mm -hmm. i i bought this beer because i was looking for a coffee stout to throw on the fridge and this definitely it is satisfying my itch for a coffee stout yeah very black and you cannot see through it there are mm -hmm. a little bit of floaties in there too oh yeah i so didn't even notice that you can definitely see whatever that is the yeast <laughs> i think it might be the yeast or the the hops that are coagulating Probably. Not like that ever bothered me anyways. <laughs> and it's not like there's a lot in there either. It's very little compared to like some other beers I've had where it's just like a crap ton. This is just like just a very small amount of floaters. Yeah. Like with some unfiltered beers, they usually have a ton of floaties in it. This one is it's pretty good. There's, there's just a few. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a pretty dang good coffee stout i definitely get a ton of coffee in it i don't know how fresh the can is but yeah <laughs> oh yeah i mean I, I like this beer um it's just a straight up coffee stout these coffee in it specifically makes it shine which in the description they said once they had the coffee they were like this is going into a stout now so i think this coffee 
does a really good job. When is this like Valentine coffee? Yeah. Valentine coffee roasters. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, this is good. It's got a good aftertaste too. Nice little coffee twinge. Yeah. Yeah. As, as a coffee stout, very, very good. Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, like the only time I really get like caffeine or anything is like through beers anymore. So yeah, you really don't drink ca- yeah, anything I- with caffeine in it. Or yeah, tea. Besides, like, tea. Mm-hmm. It's very rare that I drink coffee. Yeah. I'm the coffee drinker. Yeah. <laughs> so, how would you rate this beer, Dave? Uh, so, uh, I would definitely rate this beer, I think, as a B+. Being a 6%, it's definitely like a stout I probably wouldn't buy because of the ABV. I do like uh, beers with a little higher ABV. And I think there are probably some better coffee stouts that are out there. This one is a pretty solid one, though. So a B plus, I think, is a pretty good grade for this beer. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you? Yeah, uh, I would say an A minus. I was just looking for something. I was just a plain old coffee stout. That's kind of what I was hoping to get, and that's what I got. So I yeah, would say A minus. I definitely. Uh, when I bought this beer, it was in the price point and ABV. I was looking for a coffee stout. I think it kind of just hits that market. I think it was like a $9 six-pack, maybe $10 six-pack. So, Yeah, that's not too bad at all. That's actually a pretty decent price for a good craft uh, craft beer. Mm-hmm. So with that in consideration, that's why I would give it an A-. Because it's, kind of, it's kind of a good value. Otherwise, just by taste alone... I'd probably rate it a B plus because there's definitely things it could be improve upon, but it does a good job at making that coffee stout. Yeah. So uh, there it is. Uh, and also untapped give it gave it a rating of a, a B plus as well. They gave it a three point eight five. All right. So there you go. There's our beer view. Mm-hmm. So I think we can then jump into the topic of the day what's the topic of the day the topic of the day is video games so hey, yo. <laughs> we're gonna be talking about a lot of video games that we have played throughout our lives that are pretty dang funny or spooky or just around amazing because we played a lot of video games and there's a lot of really good content out there oh yeah there's a lot and we are video game nerds enthusiasts yeah geeks maybe not nerds because nerd would imply a certain level of high skill i think i'm like a pro gamer almost i'm pretty dang good Mm -hmm. (laughs) dave's on his own league yeah i'm in the league (laughs) that like rarely plays but when i do play watch out yeah he'll crack your system in half (laughs) with sheer overloaded power yeah so wow going back it's like we've pretty much been gaming since the beginning of time like we had uh yes was it a super nintendo entertainment system an snes or was it an nes do you remember i think it was an snes yeah because it was the white one the snes as all the cool kids call it yeah oh yeah that was it the first gaming uh console that we had in the household was a snes yeah that thing was awesome well I remember it was like, definitely a lot of fun. <laughs> there was the uh, what it was. It was like Double Dragon, mm-hmm. some Mario game, 
and Super Mario. I think it was like Super Mario One or Two. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was Super Mario World, not to be confused with Super Mario World Two. But we had a good good variety of games on there. I know we had a Olympic game that implemented a pad. They could use your feet. Yeah, I was gonna mention that there was like a running pad that we couldn't figure. I couldn't figure out how to use. When we tried stepping on it, like we had one of the game modes in the Olympic game was running. So you get on the pad, and then you'd have to like press A and B on the pad, which are just pretty much like a DDR pad. Yeah, but that's, that's way a... shittier. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. We were probably playing on a carpet or something too, so that it really didn't help either. Like sliding around or something. It was like, uh, like uh, if you're playing on it with a pad, uh, playing it on carpet, it doesn't pick up some of the presses very much, or very mm. well. So yeah. yeah, so we ended up whenever we played that game mode, we would just get down on the ground and then use both of our hands to smack the buttons back and forth, and that got some pretty funny results. Like the track guy would just be sprinting his. Fast as lightning, <laughs> just way faster than the game intended because you're supposed yeah. to use your real legs for it. Yeah, uh, something you can't really do in real life. <laughs> Push to the limit. <laughs> I got Duck Hunt too. I remember Duck Hunt being a game that one of our friends had. Yeah, because I remember the Light Blaster. I'm not sure if we had that. I, I don't re- think we did. I don't think we did. I definitely remember like one of our neighbors at the time in the cul-de-sac. He uh, he had the game and he had it in the basement and he had the projector where it would show up on the wall. And we would play Dog Hunt in his basement, mm-hmm. which was awesome. <laughs> Double Dragon was definitely like one of the coolest games I remember. I thought it was so awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, We're really crappy at it. We're really bad. Watched a full playthrough of it not too long ago, yeah. and I was like, I didn't even get a quarter way to this game. No, <laughs> no, we we didn't get through very far uh, through the game at all. I think we got like to the first through the first level, and then partially through the second level. But it was so hard that we just couldn't make any more further progress through it. Yeah, older video games were so much harder back then. We you were also that. very young and had very little coordination. Yeah, we, just, <laughs> well, we just sucked when we were little too. And all, and also, games are very unforgiving. Got like three lives, and then if you use up those three lives, you got to start back from the beginning of the game. Yeah, that sucks. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> very, very brutal. Do you remember any other uh, SNES, SNES games? games? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I could really remember, at least for the SNES. There's probably other ones. I know our uncle had like uh, another old gaming system, the uh, PlayStation. No, he had the Sega Genesis, I think. He had the Sega Genesis, yeah, mm-hmm. because he had the uh, like first Sonic game. Yeah, that was cool. That, that was, was cool playing that one. That was an awesome game. Also very difficult. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't remember getting too far with that one either, whenever <laughs> we would visit him. Yeah, still very fun. Very, very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a Game Boy, Game Boy Advanced as well. Yeah, Game Boy Color was probably the first handheld gaming console we had mm-hmm. and i remember we have we actually have a lot of those game boy color games still i remember like the pokemon games being my personal favorite out of all of them along with uh dragon quest and dragon warrior those are fun or rpg games dragon warrior monsters or something like that <laughs> good combination of all those but yeah i uh i remember i think it was like 
Christmas or something, I got the Dragon Quest games. Uh, it was like a, a the game came with two, like Dragon Quest one, Dragon Quest two, and it was like more recently where I jumped on those and like okay. I remember as a kid, I didn't really get too far with them because I just didn't really understand what was happening. But then playing them now, like I would max out the character and then like walk into like the final boss and just <laughs> kick his ass, <laughs> get like the maxed armor and like the best weapons in the game and stuff. And then playing through the Dragon Quest Two, uh, doing the same thing. Great games. I like really like those games. So those hold a good place in my heart. <laughs> I don't really remember a whole lot of Game Boy games that stick out of my mind. I do have one Game Boy Advance game, and that's Kirby. One of the Kirby games. Yeah. I definitely really like those. Awesome. It's kicked ass. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I could probably play through those all day. I remember like trying to get all the achievements and stuff from that game, too, after playing through it, and then like unlocking all the levels. And like, okay, now that I unlocked all the levels, I can go through and then get all the secret items and stuff and collectibles from each level now Mm -hmm. yeah i busted that game out not too long ago for a road trip that was really fun just to kill some time i know it it definitely made the car ride a lot shorter (laughs) oh yeah yeah (laughs) long car rides are good for uh, playing games i know we definitely did that a lot as kids for going on long car rides Mm mm-hmm do you have any other Game Boy games? I realized I was going to go on to the best system, or at least the system that sticks out the most. Oh, uh, yeah. I, you know what? I want to talk about the Nintendo 64. Hell, yeah. Because the God system. Yeah. That was like, <laughs> I have so many really good memories with that gaming system, over probably over any other gaming system mm-hmm. so far. <laughs> yeah. Well, the biggest game that sticks out to me is banjo kazooie yeah oh absolutely if you were gonna bring that up i definitely was that game is fire dude it's so fun it's simple it's not too hard until you get to the last boss level then it's like crazy difficult (laughs) yeah because i think uh as kids we had our dad kind of help us play through that whole game and we got to probably the uh the witch and the puzzle where like the board game puzzle where you had to work your way through this like a trivia game show and you had to yeah. ask and you had to answer questions about the lore of banjo kazooie it's like what was that giant crab monster's last name on the beach level I'm like i don't remember that yeah, guy like who <laughs> <laughs> what was fluffy's favorite hobby i was like i don't remember a fluffy uh, in the game fluffy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh my god that was incredibly difficult i and uh, as kids i thought that was the last bit of the game like that was like the final stage but we went back to that game and we played through probably all the way up until that point and beat that puzzle and found out there's actually more to it like that wasn't the final boss at all <laughs> <laughs> so we go ahead and we uh i think we kept playing through it and uh got through a couple more levels and unlocked the final boss then and the final boss was incredibly difficult. Gruntilda. Gruntilda. <laughs> I just had to look that up real name. quick. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Gruntilda. Yeah, she's flying around on like her broom and you're on the top of some like castle thing and she's just blasting you and swooping down and just smacking you. 
incredibly difficult. I think we weren't really prepared for that, and we had our asses handed to us mm-hmm. <laughs> playing through that game. Yeah, it doesn't help that the N64 controller is kind of clunky, too. Yeah, that I think uh, that didn't really age too well, because uh, it was incredibly difficult to control, and I don't know if we actually even beat the final boss, because there were multiple stages to the final boss. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was definitely one of the really fantastic games. Uh, one of the mm-hmm. levels I think uh, I definitely got my fear of sharks from <laughs> oh, yeah. was the island level, where you're on this crazy island where it's surrounded by water, and if you go in the water, there's like a randomly generated shark that like would follow you, and there's like this frantic music that starts playing, mm-hmm. and you have to get out of the water or else it will chomp you. And that freaked me out so bad as a kid. And that's definitely probably where my fear of sharks came from. Probably. Because, like, I still have repeating dreams of, like, any anywhere there's water, the shark's going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's very frantic music starts playing kind of like in the Sonic games when you're underwater too long and it goes dun 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 yeah. Sonic was like, Bruh. yeah, and he goes, what? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I rem- I remember that, and I also remember the soundtrack. I love yeah the soundtrack. Oh, there's the a lot N64 of sixty four bands. So many fun songs on mm-hmm. in that game, and I know we definitely played through the first one and then Banjo Tooie for the second one, and I get those mixed up. I can't really remember the um some of the levels the difference between some of the levels mm-hmm. for which games they're in. But I think like one of my absolute favorite level, there's actually a lot of levels that I really love in that game, but I think <laughs> the, the coolest one was definitely the seasons level. Oh, wait, that one was really cool. You have all the different seasons and you have to unlock certain things in each level for things to progress through the seasons. So that was very, very cool. Mm-hmm. It was the same map, just in all four seasons, and each map slightly changed, and there were different characters there. Yeah, depending on the season, like I think there was like a bird that would be hibernating, or wouldn't it be there in the winter. Yeah, I I remember like when you're climbing up the tree in because there's a tree in the center of the map. You're trying to climb up the tree to like find the squirrel that's hibernating or something. There would be like holes in the tree where the enemy would like pop out and try to like peck at you oh, yeah. <laughs> as you're climbing the tree <laughs> that was uh, that was pretty crazy i think the level that sticks out the most in my mind is clanker's cavern it's this oh hell yeah. big <laughs> underground scummy <laughs> pond with a giant robot shark in it oh that was pretty freaking crazy it's really goofy and you can like go inside of him like get eaten by him or swim in through his yeah gills. yeah you can swim in through this big robot sharks uh i don't know robot something i don't know exactly what he was but you could swim in yeah through his gills mm-hmm. or his mouth or i think his blowhole <laughs> oh yeah i think he might have been a dolphin then since he had a blowhole because sharks don't have blowholes i think i think there was a blowhole there totally was yeah i can i I feel it i feel it in my bones that one definitely sticks out as the most iconic one in my mind because you because like half the level is inside the giant robot oh yeah there's so much to do (laughs) inside of this crazy 
crazy dolphin thing. I also really like the song for that one, and I also really liked the soundtrack for Rusty Bucket Bay. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, those both had really great soundtracks. I would... If I if it's on Spotify, I'm going to be listening to the whole Banjo-Kazooie soundtrack at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been doing that a little recently. I've been grabbing some soundtracks from some games and just listening through all the soundtracks because they're good. Very nostalgic. Yeah. I love the voices in the game, too. Uh, That's probably one of the most <laughs> iconic thing. <laughs> yeah. Is the, the characters. They don't, like, when they talk, they just, like, have these weird, like, grunting noises. Like the... Yeah, Banjo goes... And then Gruntilda goes like... Yeah, oh my god, spot on. Yeah, and there's like a bunch of other crazy things. I think there's like Honeycomb Guy. Oh, like some bees or something? Bees, yeah. Oh, I love it. I really love all the characters uh, in that game. They're very, very goofy. Mm-hmm. Very funny. Yeah, that was, a, that was definitely one of the greatest games of my childhood. That definitely sticks out because I could definitely play through that game. It's so creative. Yeah, it's so multiple unique. times. Yeah, Banjo-Kazooie, really Banjo-Tooie. Uh, let's see. Uh, so Banjo-Kazooie versus Banjo-Tooie. If you can remember the difference between the two at all. I know they kind of bleed together for me. What do you mm-hmm. think would be the better one? Um, I would personally say Banjo-Kazooie because it's a lot easier. It's pretty straightforward. And you can just go on and pick it up and start playing. And you won't need any assistance. For Banjo-Tooie, I really feel felt like I had to use like a walkthrough because I wasn't able to get all the puzzle pieces oh yeah puzzle pieces were comparable to mario kind of like how in mario you have to get stars yeah in banjo kazooie you have to get puzzle pieces to complete a puzzle to get to the next area yeah and i banjo tooie going back and playing that i couldn't find barely any puzzle pieces and i would be running around forever so i yeah yeah i i could definitely see harder having a walkthrough for that game because i think it was a a lot bigger it was huge it was a little harder to find out what you really need to do Mm -hmm. oh yeah like i remembering like some of the plot to the second one it was uh so gruntilda is like defeated that which was like defeated in the first game oh she's a ghost now right she's like some like zombie one she's like a zombie (laughs) (laughs) gruntilda wait isn't she like a robot witch or something (laughs) what the hell what is that? She make, doesn't she make herself young? I think so. Oh my god. <laughs> like I'm pulling up pictures of the game. I'm like, yeah, like Gruntilda. I think like, I don't remember this at all, but like there's a picture of where she like makes herself really young or like really pretty. I can't remember that scene at all. <laughs> it's been a long time since we played that game. Yeah, I don't remember that at all either. But It, uh... it seems familiar, but I don't remember it. <laughs> Yeah, in in the game, she definitely like in Banjo Tooie, she definitely becomes like this skeleton version of herself. And uh, spoilers for this really old game, I remember playing this with <laughs> one of my my friends, uh, Banjo Banjo Tooie, 
when we finished the game where I think Gruntilda had like a tank and you had to like shrink yourself down, sneak inside and like destroy the tank from the inside. That's all I think, all I, think I remember from <laughs> that final boss fight. But I think there was other two other witches as well. There was like a, a really like fat one and a very tall skinny one. So you got like guess that combo <laughs> as like the new witches. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Another iconic game from N64 for me would be 007 GoldenEye. Holy crap. I think the first time we ever played that game was uh, one of our neighbors in the cul-de-sac had it. And we were way too young to be playing that game. But by golly. They weren't teenagers, <laughs> I'll tell you what. They had a Nintendo 64 and they had that game. And we would go over there and be like, oh my gosh, they have guns and they're shooting people. And it's your spies and all that stuff. It's so cool. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of cool levels. Like one, you had to escape a train and use your watch to shoot lasers at the hinges to get out. Oh, at man. At that time, I did not know we had to do that. Usually we just died and couldn't complete the level. Yeah. Or we I, were too slow because there was a time crunch. Yeah, I think we like, we eventually got that game, and that game was yeah, incredibly we difficult. Uh, I don't think we really knew what to do for most of the game. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot of fun. Multiplayer definitely. is definitely the part that sticks out the most. Yep. Oh, yeah, we, we definitely played multiplayer way, 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 way more than we actually played the game. Uh, multiplayer was by far the best part about that whole game. Mm-hmm. Getting the golden gun, getting the, like, the mines uh like the sticky mines like just put them all over the place i don't think there was a limit so you could just like keep picking them up and tossing them all over the place and then you can like detonate them all at the same time just blow up the whole map yeah and then like you i remember trying to do that we were like okay let's see how many mines we put all around the map and we did that and like the game lagged out super hard it would take like seconds for a frame to go by that was a really really great game i remember that um I also remember the uh, laser gun. Yeah. That was funny. <laughs> that was a good gun. Yeah, the multiplayer was really, really fun to play, especially because the aiming mechanics weren't very good. I no, they were all over the place. To, to aim, you'd have to place the Z button, and that would prevent you from moving because that would convert your analog stick from moving to aiming, and then it would put a crosshair oh, on the yeah. screen, and then you had to move the crosshair around with the very janky analog stick yeah that's very difficult if you want to get precise (laughs) and that was terrible it was a lot of running around stopping and then starting to aim at people so it was really goofy combat (laughs) oh absolutely yeah i think uh playing that game through i love like the golden gun was by far like the best weapon in the game one shot kill yeah that was (laughs) very very funny playing probably with just that one weapon on the maps Mm -hmm. everybody having the golden gun (laughs) (laughs) that was fun that's all the n64 games i really remember or want to talk about for the most part I think one that I uh I did not have there there's so many that I have played through that we can I could probably go into but uh I think the last one that I could probably talk about is the uh Ocarina of Time Zelda that is uh by far one of the like the coolest games that I we didn't have but I had a friend who had it mm-hmm. my friend got like all the Zelda games uh for like all the gaming systems like throughout years and years ocarina time was by far like the coolest and scariest (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Had the crazy zombies. Yeah. I think what freaked me out is uh, they were, his family was having like a party at their house. So we came on over with a bunch of people and they were playing. Uh, my buddy was playing Ocarina of Time. And as he was running outside, there were, it has like a day and night cycle where in the game, when it's nighttime and you're out in one of the fields, there's a zombies that pop up from the ground and that freaked me out so bad. I hated those zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was a really cool game. I remember uh, later in college, I'm like, you know what? I never played through this game all the way through. So I got a USB controller online. I got the game and I just played it on my laptop all the way through and it is very very difficult that that game is incredibly hard and i definitely had to have a walkthrough just to get through it especially the water temple the water temple was by far the worst just like every game yes but stop like stop with the water levels <laughs> this was like it will never stop though the i have never the, i think the water temple in zelda is by far the worst of any zelda game that is that is the worst there is no worse level in zelda than that one by far <laughs> uh but yeah that's, that's all i remember <clears throat> yeah i think that's all i got for ocarina of time uh i think i did kind of play through a little bit of majora's mask a little bit the day and night cycle was hard so i think i quit <laughs> or the the days you had like three days before the moon crashes into mm-hmm. the earth you were never really good with time crunch games no they always stressed me out too bad mm-hmm. like, i just want to dick around i'm here to have fun don't put me on a time limit yeah that was always hard yeah so i guess the next system gamecube keep rolling along on this <laughs> nintendo train <laughs> yeah let's uh let's keep talking about some games then so gamecube was another really fantastic gaming system love the gamecube so much as well i think one of the biggest reasons why at least i wanted to have the gamecube was for Super Smash Bros. Melee. Oh, yeah. Again, I was over at a friend's house. They had an older brother that was allowed to get Super Smash Bros. And they had the Melee version for the GameCube. And, oh, my God. It was like... So we had, uh, on Nintendo 64, we had Super Smash Bros. Like, OG, the first one. And that was really fun. And then seeing Super Smash Bros. Melee on the GameCube was such a big step up. Huge That it difference. was like... Uh, None of the characters are all chunky and blocky anymore. They're more defined and like, you, there's more, yeah, rounder and <laughs> all the items are different. It, it was moving, it moved so much smoother and there were so many more maps and stuff. And it was, uh, that was a really fantastic game. I remember playing through that and trying to unlock all the characters and doing that with friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played, dumped so much time into that game. It yeah. was so fun. I know I usually played as Link, Kirby yeah i think my favorite characters i think my favorites were was definitely like link as uh the player uh samus was another favorite i think those were two like my top favorite characters to play as but like now if i were to go back to the game i would just pick a random character and just play as that character i don't think uh because i can always figure out how to play well with them (laughs) i think peach was a good one i'm so i'm so (laughs) agile so adaptive I'm a pro gamer, you know. He is pro gamer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say my one game that sticks out a lot is Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles for the GameCube. Oh, yeah. That game was awesome. That was a really fantastic game. 
Mm-hmm. RPG so, game. You know, have up to four people in your team. And the crazy part about it is that you didn't use a game controller for co-op mode. You hooked up your Game Boy Advance or Game Boy SP. Yeah. By using their weird connector yeah. that it connects to the GameCube. So then you would use your advanced or higher Game Boy Advanced or higher contr- as a controller. And then you would also ha- use the screen for your menu. So you can go through and edit stuff and pick different spells. Yeah. There was a lot of games that actually use that mechanic where you can hook up your Game Boy Advance or something like that to the console. That was a so, so cool. And Crystal Chronicles did it pretty well. Mm-hmm. And that, that game was just so much fun. I got all my friends to play it. We would team up and smack some bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Very good art style in there. Yeah, I love that art style. Mm-hmm. It's like very kind of chibi-ish a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, Everybody's pretty, pretty scrunched. <laughs> yeah, well, good sprites. Very cool. Yeah, I, I like the game mechanic of uh, a very different game mechanic where you have to carry around like your goblet or chalice yeah and the rest of the world is like covered in this like poisonous fog and you have to carry around the chalice which has like a crystal that repels the the fog so you're safe at least in your your bubble and you have to carry around this chalice and at least in single player you have this flying like moogle to like follow you around Mm -hmm. and carry it for you in single player so you're not stuck carrying it and trying to fend yourself from all these monsters in the area and then you have multiplayer mode where you don't have that moogle little fuzzy little boy you had to take turns carrying yeah. the chalice yeah you had to take turns and that was probably like <laughs> the biggest dispute in the game where you, you had to carry decide. the chalice yeah <laughs> no i carried it last it's your turn yeah that you're was... just gonna steal all the loot <laughs> that was tough that was definitely a tough one Mm-hmm. yeah i remember playing that game i don't think uh, i like with friends i don't think we ever finished that game never until <laughs> i went ahead and i was like okay i have this game i gotta finish this game i gotta see what the ending is because we've had it we've played s- this game for so long Made I wanna, so many new characters i want to know how this game ends so i created a character and i started getting like the legendary armor and legendary weapons and just maxed out my character i tried finding the boss failed leveled up for like hours and hours more went back to the boss and like kicked his ass in like minutes i'm like all right (laughs) that was it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that was a very very cool game i love that game so much a lot of really cool different levels and stuff in that game another game that utilized that game link thing with your game boy advanced was legend of zelda four swords that was another really fantastic game (laughs) very fun game to play with your friends there's four different links that are all different color and you get to control them Ooh, baby that was so much fun we didn't own that game but our friend did and oh man we love playing that game yeah we would run over to his house and uh we would play it i think it would be like three of us Mm -hmm. and we would try to go through each level and there was always someone who would screw things up oh yeah like, and like you need to step on this otherwise the door won't open like, okay <laughs> i'll stay here yeah nope 
Yeah, like progress was very, very slow in that game because we would always try to like screw with each other. <laughs> that was always very fun. Or we were all trying to get the uh, fire staff and one of us needs yeah. to have the yeah. other item. Yeah. Because <laughs> unlike other Legend of Zelda games where you get to have all of your tools uh, uh, that you pick up accessible, you can only have one tool at a time. So you either pick like a bow and arrow, a bow, no, you pick a bow and arrow, a boomerang, a fire staff. I think there was something else. Yeah, I'm not too... There's a couple of items. Yeah, you got a lot of items throughout the game. And you needed certain items to complete puzzles, but nobody wanted to have anything but the fire staff because it was so OP. (laughs) It would just set everything on fire and just bring death and destruction upon anybody in front of you. Yeah, that was that was really great. That was such a fun game. I remember we always would fight over who would get it, and we, it was always a race to get I got the fire first. staff. Yeah, because <laughs> if you picked up the new item, um, it doesn't drop your current item, so you'd have to go back to the spawn of the old item if you needed it to get past a puzzle. Would it swap the item on the? Uh, no, like thing? for the items, I'm pretty sure they would be. Yeah, a pedestool that yeah. just has an infinite supply and it would just replace whatever you have and then whatever you had just disappears. Yeah, that's probably it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a really, really fun game. I love all the different levels. Like uh, Zelda games are definitely one of the coolest games out there where you are adventuring through so many different terrains and there's so much different enemies and puzzles. And puzzles. I, I love a lot of legend of zelda games like legend of zelda wind waker yeah we we still have that i definitely i think we both played through it at least twice i've played through it three and a half times (laughs) that game is the first game i've played through twice yeah first game i did that's another game that uses the uh the game boy connect thing where you can have uh or the the game boy advance hookup connection hookup yeah, we're... That was funny. <laughs> yeah, I think we would screw with each other because uh, one person would have the GameCube controller and another person would have the Game Boy Advance and they would play as Tingle and you would be able to use the pl- <laughs> the person who has the GameCube controller's bombs and you could just bomb like different spots on the map whenever you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And the downside is is that it costed money to use those bombs... It was called the Tingle Tuner. It was an item you had to obtain that before you can actually have that functionality. And see, yeah, bombs costed money. They were 10 gold. I guess they were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so after looking that up, there's a lot of things that could cost a lot of money. (laughs) So yeah, you could definitely use money to like heal yourself or boost your magic pay for bombs and all that stuff yeah there's a lot of (laughs) good stuff Mm -hmm. really like the art in wind waker and i liked all the dungeons there's not really one that i didn't care for maybe just the long sailing between islands that was kind of boring yeah the sailing part was probably the worst part because there was you had to sail for so long i remember probably the the worst part about that game that was drawn out way too long was trying to get all the different charts for... Oh, the Triforce? Yeah, getting, like, 
right. the, the Triforce. That was probably the most prolonged thing because you had to spend like, it would cost hundreds of rupees just to have Tingle decipher the map for you. And it would take so long just to get the amount of rupees you need. And it would take a very long time just to get the map. That was probably like the hardest part about the whole game and the longest part. It's just working through that because there's different charts all over the map. And then once you have the chart, you then have to venture to different parts of the map just to get the pieces of the Triforce. And that took like, (laughs) that's probably a third of the game right there. (laughs) (laughs) That definitely took forever. Yeah. But that doesn't make it any less of a game. <laughs> no, I love, oh yeah, as you mentioned, like the, the Toonie art style is really fantastic. That's, uh, it was very cute, very, very awesome. Mm-hmm. The last game I would, I recall from the GameCube is 007 Nightfire. That was the most fun. Oh, wait a minute. No, I'm just remembering another GameCube game. 007 Nightfire was another 007 game, but I didn't play it for the story. I played it for the multiplayer. They had so many guns in it, and they had a lot of good maps, and my friends and I played the crap out of it. I know there was a level that you could fly around an RC helicopter that would shoot missiles, and it had a machine gun. It was super OP, and it was so ridiculous. It's just a fun shoot 'em up <laughs> yeah. killer man game. 007 Nightfire. I'm pretty sure one of my friends took took it from me, or we were ex- borrowing games from each other, because I only have the empty case, <laughs> and the disc is gone. Yeah, I don't know where that game went. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's probably just definitely gone. It's in the Nintendo heavens now. Good. Yeah, that's a that's a really good game. Uh, I don't remember too too much from it. I do remember some of the levels, not a lot of not a lot of them. I think like uh, Golden Eye definitely stuck out. Probably a little more than Nightfire. I only remember the multiplayer levels. I don't remember a single thing about the campaign. Yeah, I think I did play through it, but I can't remember too much from it. Mm. And one of the Mac Daddy games that I that really sticks out besides wind waker which would be my number one gamecube game my number two is kirby air ride oh damn yeah that was a fun racing game and so many different vehicles to unlock you can get the legendary like dragon one that would allow you to fly forever and there was oh, another there one were, that yeah you, like, there charged were two up and go fast as hell yeah <laughs> oh my god yeah, those were crazy. It would just be like random spawns for those uh, the parts for those different different like cars, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> with the different vehicles. Yeah, so yeah, one would just fly forever, and the other one would just go super super fast. I know there was like a UFO on the map that would randomly spawn, and it was like a race to see who could get to like the top of the UFO first. <laughs> wow, that was a loud notification. Yeah, that was in the. Um... That was in the free ride, free ride map where you yeah. just dink around and just go explore this uh, city esque landscape, and it was really diverse. It had like a field, and it had an underground tunnel system, had a city. Oh man, that was so fun! Yeah, Mm-mm. very cool. And it also had a crap ton of mini mini game modes as well, and it had a 
ton of challenges as well that allowed you to unlock so much stuff. It was a really well put together game and it had so much content in it. Yeah, there was a there's a lot of unlockables. <laughs> I don't think we ever came close to unlocking everything. No, we got about I think we got halfway there, but we did unlock the two legendary vehicles though. Yeah. And that's pretty much what I wanted to do. Yeah, I, I definitely remember playing that game a lot. Mm-hmm. That was very fun. Kirby's cool. Kirby kids. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, this is a good transition to the next beer. Yeah, let's uh let's go ahead and get the next beer. All right, so as uh, we had our little break, uh, we have La Fin du Monde. Belgian-style triple ale, 9%. Yep, is a 9% Belgian triple. It is brewed by Unibrow. I think that's how you pronounce it. I have no idea. <laughs> so the description on this beer is uh, the end of the world. The excellence of triple fermentation through a blend of special yeasts gives this malt beverage an exquisitely robust flavor of exceptional refinement. They've been brewing this since February 1994. And I believe this beer actually was rated as one of the best Belgian beers in the world at one point in time. Mm. It was in a magazine or something. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Just smelling it. It's good old belgian smell yep yeah from the smell i definitely get a lot of like the fruity belgian notes like peach mm-hmm. and then i get some like that that funkiness too yeah it has a very distinct belgian flavor i'm not too good at describing how belgian beer tastes like yeah so like the color of it it's a uh, kind of like a golden color it's not clear it's a little foggy I think it, uh, when we poured it, it had quite a bit of head to it. It was very, very carbonated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this beer definitely comes pretty carbonated, but very good. It covers up all the ethanol taste really well. It's kind of a more sweet, sweet and tangy kind of taste to it. Yeah, and uh, I forgot to mention, at least on, like on the last beer, like the last beer didn't have like a date on it, but this one does. This uh, this beer has a date. It has a, uh, it does have a Best Buy date, so it has like BB oh eight twenty nine twenty two. So it's telling you drink it before twenty twenty two, which is pretty easy to do. So we don't actually know how fresh this bottle is, which is probably the most important bit of information. I don't like when breweries tell me that it's like. When I should drink it by. Yeah, when I should drink it by. Yeah, tell me when it's made. I'll make the decision for myself. But yeah, this is a very, very good, nice Belgian triple beer. Mm -hmm. Definitely does a good job on being a Belgian triple. So how would you rate this beer, Dave? I think I would definitely rate it as a... I think I would give it the A-, an A- grade, because I think it's pretty dang good. There are a lot of Belgian beers. I went on like a bit of a Belgian beer binger. <laughs> That's and, one to say. Yeah. Belgian beer binger. <laughs> and I when I bought out a uh, a bunch of the different Belgian beers like Drac, uh, Duvel, and of course the like fin, 
La Fin du Monde and all those kind of beers. So I tried a bunch of different beers and uh, this one definitely is, is up there with, with them as being one of the, the better Belgian triples. But there are better. But yeah, this is, this is a really fantastic beer. I give it A-. minus. What about you? I'm kind of torn. I want to give it a B+, plus, but I feel like it, it's more towards an A-. minus. I like it. It's good. Okay. Yeah, you'll give it the same. Yeah. A minus. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it. A, I'll give it an A minus. Yeah. And uh, looking at Untapped, they also give it. Uh, they give it a B plus, but it's like right on right the on border. The yeah, right on the border of being A minus. So they give it like a three point nine seven, which is just about to be an A minus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good beer. I bought a four pack of twelve ounce bottles. It's priced pretty well especially when you compare it to the bomber mm-hmm. it's more cost effective to get the four pack coincidentally than getting the bomber, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. I wanted to get this beer to put it on the podcast cause it's a fun beer and I bought Nocturum. So I was like, I'm just going to buy a bunch of foreign beers. <laughs> yeah. That's the way to do it. All right. So we got another beer. Uh, Let's go ahead and uh, let's finish off this podcast with our last couple topics. Let's go ahead and uh, jump into what's on your mind. Yeah. So what's on my mind? Yeah. What is on your mind? I got furloughed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Times. Yeah. They Kinda didn't stinks. do it like in a good way either like they told you like on monday yeah they told me on monday and they're like hey yeah we wanted to get everybody together so we can tell you uh you're all furloughed gotten a web call because everybody's working from home and they said yeah friday is gonna be your last day and everyone is like oh geez yeah (laughs) that sucks now i really don't want to (laughs) work yeah and you have to you had to work the whole week Mm -hmm. (laughs) knowing you were being furloughed at the end of the week which is awful yeah kind of stinks but i was already looking for a different job i work i used to work 50 minutes away so driving there kind of stinks uh there's a lot of manufacturing companies around where we live so i i hope i can find something close because i'm a supply chain and operations management major so a bunch of logistics stuff I'm pretty sure I can find something involving logistics here. Might be hard given the current circumstances of the world. Mm-hmm. But because everybody's not in a good financial position, most people are letting people go rather than hiring. Yep, a lot of contractors are losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to go out there and uh, just give it my best and start applying. Stick to it. That's all I really can do. Yep. And then I'm going to have to mail my laptop in. <laughs> oh yeah because you mm-hmm. uh you brought your work laptop home yeah because everybody was ordered to work from home so we everybody's been working from home for a long time and they're gonna send me a packing slip so i can mail that back but they did not they do not have a date on when i can pick up my stuff from the office which <laughs> stinks because i have my other 10 keyless mechanical keyboard that yep. i would want to bring home so that i'm not bugging dave all the time because i have my 10 keyless cherry mx blue ripoff mechanical keyboard and 
if you don't know anything about mechanical keyboards, the blue one is the loudest one. I'm actually going to give you a little sample. It's pretty yeah. loud. <laughs> yeah, as you brought that up to the mic. Yeah, it's really fucking loud. Yeah, here's what it sounds like when I don't move the keyboard closer. It's so fucking loud. It's still loud. pretty loud. <laughs> I love it. It has a really nice tactile click to it that you feel it once the once the key is actuated which is why i really like it because when i game i want to know that i press the button it gives me that physical feeling feed that feedback that lets me know i put pushed it yeah i also can press the key down like a third of the way and have it ready to actuate i can feel right before it actuates so then i can like have an even lower actuation point so if yeah. i'm playing one of the strategic shooters which i play a crap ton like siege um csgo not so much csgo anymore and then m- some call of duty games usually play cyber attack some more stealthy shoot 'em up k- killer man games <laughs> shoot 'em up killer man <laughs> i love i love that phrase i use that to describe a lot of games because it's just mindless shooting games yeah <laughs> And, it, and it's just goofy to say. So that's, that's kind of what's on my mind. I got furloughed. Just going to have to be looking for something new. Yeah. Hoping I find something good. That's yeah. all you really got to do. I, I think you'll you'll be fine. I think, uh, yeah, it's got to be hard finding a new position, at least right now. And like I'm th- also thinking about all like the college students who are going to be graduating this spring, who are mm-hmm. also going to be having... They're, they're all in the same boat as well. It's going to be very, very difficult for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Just got to stay positive and stick to it. Really all I can do at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all you, gotta, that's all you can do. It's definitely going to miss some of the people I worked with. And there's definitely some people I'm glad I won't have to see ever again. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's just... just it seems the, like it's almost every job. Yeah, it, just like you every job. You get some good people and... Uh, you don't get some good like, people. <laughs> and then there's people you don't like. Yeah. So, what is on your mind, my brother? So, before we got the whole order to stay home thing, we used to go to a tap takeover almost every single week on Wednesdays. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was really fun. It would be uh, every week there would be a a brewery that would come and take over the taps of uh, this one location that we, we, we go to. And it was very fun. They sometimes had a representative. The representative would bring merchandise or glasses, stickers. Yeah, free stuff. That was, like, Mm -hmm. the coolest. So we would go, and we have, like, a collection of glasses, like... Pint glasses. A lot, a lot of pint glasses. Mm -hmm. I I actually had to go through and, like... Thin out our cabinets because they were overflowing with pint glasses. I think I put away, like, 15 glasses. (laughs) (laughs) I'm probably over-exaggerating, but, like... It's, it's probably darn close to 15. <laughs> it's probably closer to 10. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's a lot, a lot of glasses. So um, because we can't go out and do those tap takeovers anymore, uh, at least for the time being, uh, our dad actually like reached out to us like and mentioned, hey, do you want to do like a beer tasting? I'm going to go pick up a bunch of like lagers and Weiss beers and we could do... A taste test to see which one is best mm-hmm. i'm like all right that sounds like a fun idea so 
we decided to do that this past week. And we had, I think, five loggers and one pilsner. And we had to decide which was... Uh, it was like a blind taste testing. We had to decide which one was the best. And then they were revealed. And we had to pick which one was the pilsner. And it was all blind taste testings, which was really cool because I don't think we've done that. And if we did, we, it's been a long time. Yeah. And they were all like loggers that are pretty that easy. picture of it. Yeah. They're pretty easy to get a hold of. There was... Very obtainable. Like Heineken. Oh, uh, I got that list. Canadian Molson. Yeah. So the beers we had was Pilsner Urkel. 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 Canadian Molson, Dos Equis, Red Stripe, and Heineken. The Pilsner, Urkel was the Pilsner, and then rest everything else was a lager. Yeah, I think we all like rated the beers uh, on which ones we liked more. And at least for me, I was a little biased going into this thinking, oh my god, they're all lagers. They're all going to taste the exact same. Mm-hmm. Surprise. Being the beer snobs we are. <laughs> I was thinking, like, I won't be able to distinguish any of these apart. They'll all be the same. Yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. They're, they're all, all different. They're all different. I'm like, oh, my God, they're all different. So at least for my taste buds and at least for that night, when we were tasting all the beers, the Red Stripe was my favorite of all those beers that we uh, we tasted in that, that tasting. So, Dave, after drinking all the beers, did you rate it? rate the beers the way you thought you would rate it if you didn't taste them if you were given those five beers and said rate these beers one through five without trying them because we've we've had all these beers before yeah if it wasn't blind tasting i would have rated them all differently Mm -hmm. and surprisingly enough i rated the beers kind of the way i would rate them if i didn't try them all first which is kind of surprising because i was not anticipating that at all yeah i was also the only person able to pick out the pilsner yeah i think uh, that was like the bonus point if you could pick out the pilsner you were you got bonus points on that round so (laughs) Mm -hmm. and also nobody liked the pilsner everyone rated it last except for me i rated that as my number one yeah pilsner really was like it's a really well-known, really good beer. I don't know what it was. A like, that night, I don't know if we got like a bad can or something, but like tasting it, to me, it tasted like it had like this grassy bitterness to it, and I really didn't like that flavor. I think it was because we had four lagers, and they were all a little bit tamer, and then the last one was the Pilsner Urkel, and that's got a particular twinge to it so i think it kind of caught you off guard because yeah i really like it i don't know i think that's just me getting more emotional towards my beer i need it to be good yeah love it i need people to rate my beer good yeah and then we (laughs) uh we did a second tasting uh of weiss beers Mm -hmm. which is really cool that was a little bit more hard to distinguish the beers yeah like for the lager test i was really it was pretty easy ranking them yeah the weiss as well the weiss beers i those were in my opinion they all tasted the same 
Except for one, which was like a grapefruit white spear. Yeah. And that was like 2.5%. It was like Kool-Aid. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was just like grapefruit juice, honestly. Yeah. So, yeah, all those white beers that we had, these, these kind of tasted the same. I don't have a picture of the, the beers we tasted, though. They're all like really difficult to pronounce names. <laughs> yeah, there, there are a lot of German beers. I've got a picture. I'm going to pull it up. Ready to ready to butcher these names? Oh, I'm ready to butcher this. All right, so we got Hofbrauhaus, uh, Freising, the Hefeweiss. We got Hackershore Weiss, Krombecker, Weizen, <laughs> Schafferhofer, I think. <laughs> that was the grapefruit yeah, one. Yeah, that was the grapefruit one. That sounds familiar. And then Weihenstaffener. Weihenstaffener. <laughs> Half a waste of beer. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this was really interesting because we were all very surprised on our least favorite pick. I tallied up how we ranked everything. And yeah. then pretty much everything was ranked like golf. The lowest score is the best because if everybody rates it one, then it's going to be two. But if everybody raises it five, it's going to be 15. So there was a very distinct loser for this one that everybody yeah. rated really low. And it was one hell of an upset. Yeah. Because <laughs> we were all like... What was it? It was Hackershore. <laughs> we all rated Hackershore as four <laughs> or five out of the five beers we've had. Yeah. Which is nuts. That was really crazy. I, I really like Hackershore. Or at least I thought I liked Hackershore. Yeah, of all of, like the Weisses we tried, holy crap. Yeah, well, uh, that was actually really surprising. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as good as we thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting. I also learned uh, some more Weisses that I would enjoy more, which is cool. Like, I know if I see... The Hofbrau House, the Freising, or the Weihenstofferner. <laughs> Butcher that. <laughs> I know uh, I know those are pretty good. I like those a lot more than the Hackershore. Yeah. And then Dave also liked the Weihenstoffer as well. Well, that's what he, he rated that one number one. But yeah. he did say that it kind of blended all together. Yeah, of, like, of all the beers, like... Uh all the Weisses really did taste the same. So it was like, I wouldn't, if I had all of the Weisses in front of me again, like I could have rated them all differently today. Yeah. Exactly what we were feeling that day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was really fun. Love that. That was really cool. So I think, uh, we're definitely going to do that again, probably pretty soon. And, uh, as we were talking and going through the tastings, uh, I think the next set of uh, the next style of beers we want to do a tasting of would be stouts. So the next time we're, I'm going to go to like the local store and pick a bunch of local boys. Yeah. Local or really different stouts and bring them in all different ABVs, all different style or like maybe different styles. We'll see what we're kind of feeling. We could probably have maybe like a nitro coffee style, different ones. Just a regular stout. Yeah, mm-hmm. so... Uh, yeah, that's on my mind. Uh, it's kind of something a little different from what we have been used to doing. Of just staying home and really just doing nothing. Binging Hulu. 
kind of breaks it up a little bit and so it doesn't feel like we're stuck inside doing nothing all day right yeah gives you something to look forward to so that's what i got that's what's on my mind and now i think we can jump into the next segment which is what song would you like to recommend the song i would like to recommend is fever by just friends the song i found last week I listened to Spotify and it was on my like discovery or daily mixer or something. Yeah. Just a really upbeat song. I think it's, I think I'm pretty sure the premise is just like, I got, I'm, I'm so hot for you. I got a fever <laughs> <laughs> kind of esque. It's very, very upbeat. Yeah. It's got, um, a male and a female vocalist in there. And I think it's done really well. It's just really positive and really happy. And it just gets you in a good ass mood. Highly recommend it. Very fun. What would be your song you would recommend, D? Yeah, there are there are a lot of songs I would love to recommend, but this time I will recommend the song "Corn Dog Sonnet Number Seven by Sincere <laughs> Engineer. I know we've talked about Sincere Engineer in one of our like music concert festival. music festival mm-hmm. podcast, but I really think I gotta like do another shout out for Sincere Engineer because. She is one of my biggest musical inspirations for writing or playing guitar. Oh, yeah. She totally kicks ass. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> I I really do love Sincere Engineer. So, uh, yeah, she, uh, uh, at least from what I know, they only have one album ra- out right now called Rambithian, and they're working on a second album. And I think they only have one song out from that album so far called Dragged Across the Finish Line. So... Yeah, Corn Dog Sonnet number seven. Yep. Really fun, cool song. If you didn't know or listen to our music festival podcast, we did a literal corn dog salute for her concert. We bought corn dogs, and when she sang that song, we all lifted our corn dogs in the air, and that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Super goofy. Oh, that Somebody was launched favorite. their dog, too. They yeah. just whipped it up there, and it just went whoosh right off the stick. <laughs> Oh, that was funny. Yeah, yeah, that was Riot Fest last summer, or last whenever in 2019. Mm -hmm. Riot Fest 2019. That was awesome. Loved it. Sincere Uh, Engineer, total kick-ass artist. Rombithian, highly recommended album. Over two-thirds of the songs are great and are songs I still listen to. I love all the songs. (laughs) (laughs) I love them all. They're all fantastic, though. Yeah, they're all kind of short. Like, uh, I think I remember like being at the concert. It was a really short set. It was one hell of a set. Yeah, kicked it was... ass. It was like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like one. It's like when you finally see an artist in real life that you've been wanting to see for such a long time. It's just yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Total fangirl moment. Yeah, <laughs> I think Dave and I, especially yeah. Dave. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think that was like most of 2019 because we went to go see so many different concerts. Yeah, like seeing Ninja Sex Party was also also gave off that vibe. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and twerp. Also, and twerp. <laughs> Every time we would go see twerp. <laughs> yeah, I would say that I was definitely fangirling over twerp after the first time I saw them. So I don't. I don't think I really knew a whole lot of twerp when I first saw them. When they were opening for Ninja Sex Party. Oh, you knew a hell of a lot more than I did. Yeah. 
maybe I did. Maybe I'm just remembering it wrong. Yeah. But I love Twerp. I know all of their songs. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, such great, great musicians. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. So, Corn Dog Sonnet Number Seven by Sincere Engineer. Check it out. It's awesome. It's it's fun. And uh, if you ever go to see her, make sure to bring some corn dogs to give her a corn dog salute. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, all we got for this podcast. Then that's all we got. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to check your air filters on your computer and also in your home AC unit. (laughs) Clean air is good. And a stuffed up filter on your PC will choke it and prevent it from getting proper cooling. Oh, good. (laughs) That's a good PSA. Good. Awesome. Well, uh. The your face was priceless. It just like uh like stop. <laughs> like oh we're going down this route now. Yeah, so uh that's it. We'll uh we'll catch you guys on the next podcast. Thank you for listening. Catch you next time. Bye bye. If you would like to reach out to us, you can email us at dsbeerlab at gmail.com. That is D-S-B-E-E-R-L-A-B at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you.